Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 138. Today's big Bible question, who are you? Are you royalty? Are you a member of the clergy? Well, if you're in Christ, then yes, you are. So hello, everybody. Happy Friday to you. For me, it's just now Tuesday at 1.34 a.m., but this podcast is scheduled to release to the rest of you on Friday. As you receive this, I should be driving back from the lovely deserts of Utah to the sunny and cool city of Salinas, California. Today's Bible readings include Numbers 24, Psalm 66 and 67, Isaiah 14, and 1 Peter 2, which is our focus passage for the second straight day. Our question today is one of the most fundamental and basic questions we can ask. Who are you? Now, the answer might surprise you as we dig in today's text in 1 Peter chapter 2. So let's go ahead and read it together early, and then you can see if you can find your identity as you read. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, envy, and all slander and hypocrisy, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobeyed the word. They were destined for this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably among the Gentiles, so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and will glorify God on the day he visits. Submit to every human authority because of the Lord, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors as those sent by him to punish those who do what is evil and to praise those who do what is good. For it is God's will that you silence the ignorance of foolish people by doing good. Submit as free people, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but as God's slaves. Honor everyone. Love the brothers and sisters. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Household slaves, submit to your masters with all reverence, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of a consciousness of God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if when you do wrong and are beaten, you endure it? But when you do what is good and suffer, if you endure it, this brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When he was insulted, he did not insult in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, 
but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So, who are you? Well, Peter has some pretty interesting things for us today, right? If you are in Christ, saved by following Jesus, believing the gospel that he died on the cross for your sins, if you have taken his death to be for you and you have wholeheartedly followed him in faith, saved by grace, you are a chosen race, an entirely new race of people, a royal priesthood and a people possessed by God. You are royalty. That's pretty significant, right? Son of the King of Kings and brother of Jesus. Not only that, but you are a priest, or I guess a priestess. I used a title in today's Big Bible Question, that uh, a word that I basically just absolutely cringe out. I don't like the word clergy at all. I guess that's sort of odd, because I've been a pastor of one sort or another, youth teaching, children's assistant, senior missions, etc., for the last 25 plus years. Does that make me clergy? Not really in the sense that it distinguishes me from a Christian who works in IT or who owns fast food franchises or who upholsters things for a living or who's a fire medic or who's a Boeing Lockheed engineer or really any other career. I don't see any real distinction between clergy and laity in scripture, but I do see this wonderful truth that we are all, A-L-L, all of us, a part of the royal priesthood family of Jesus. Now, how wonderful and fascinating is that? And remember, there are only two royal priests in the entire Bible, Jesus and Melchizedek. And I actually have told you before, I believe Melchizedek is a Christophany, uh, a manifestation of Jesus. So if that's true, then there's really only one royal priest in the entire Bible, Jesus, and then all of us who have been redeemed by him. So let's go to our friend John Piper for some more on our identity. Piper says, this text in 1 Peter shows that treasuring Christ defines a new race of people. I choose the word race consciously and provocatively because it's in the text. Verse 9, but you, you who for whom Christ is a cornerstone and not a stumbling stone, you for whom Christ is precious, you who treasure Christ, in other words, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Notice those three words, says Piper, race, nation, people. Genos, from where we get the word genealogy, ethnos, from which we get the word ethnic and ethnicity, and laos, from which we get the word laity. Peter uses all three words that Israel used to define herself, race, ethnic nation, and people, the people, and applied them to the Gentiles and Jews who treasure Christ. He applied them to us, the church. Those who treasure Christ above all are a new race, a new ethnicity, and a new people group. This has huge implications for racial and ethnic realities of this world. How easily we could make a mistake here and say race, ethnicity, people group differences, etc. don't count in the body of Christ. Christians are to be colorblind, ethnic blind, people blind. There's some truth in that. But no person of any ethnicity wants to talk endlessly about ethnicity. There are greater issues in the world than color and culture. But God did not create the indescribable abundance of differences in the world simply to be ignored, as though we would honor a thousand species of flower by being colorblind. No, this is not what it means for the church to be a new race. What it means is this and more. The supreme trait of the new Christian race is treasuring Christ. This trait of the new race has a transforming effect on all races and ethnicities and people groups. It exposes our alienating differences either as Christ-belittling sins to be forsaken 
or is Christ reflecting treasures to be valued? Treasuring Christ does not make us blind to differences. Rather, it makes differences serve the larger, unifying identity of treasuring Christ together. What's new about the Christian race is that the infinite value of Christ is reflected by each member differently. Therefore, the differences are not negligible. We are the living stones being built into a new temple or a new race, and the defining trait of this new race is the the manifold and unified reflection of the infinite value of Christ by the way he is treasured among diverse people. Therefore, let us praise this diversity and pursue it. In 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. God brought you out of darkness and into his marvelous light by the word of God, the gospel. And now in his marvelous light, what are we to do? Why are we here? One utterly crucial reason while this age remains, that is this, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him as a priest who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are in the marvelous light of the love and power and wisdom of Christ so that our joy in that marvelous light might be filled up through proclaiming the excellencies of Christ. Why? Because that's how others will be born again, by hearing the good news. And when they are born again, they move from darkness to marvelous light and see Christ for who he is and treasure him for who he is and therefore magnify him for who he is and our joy is completed in their joy in him. And that, brothers and sisters, is how we are a royal priesthood. We're royalty because we are brothers with Christ and sons of the King. And we're a priesthood because our ministry now is to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and to perform that act of mediation, bringing the good news of Jesus to humans to bring them closer to God. So you, my friends, You are a new race, a chosen race. That doesn't nullify your existing race. It enhances it. It makes it even more beautiful in its diversity. You're a chosen race, a holy nation, a people for his possession. You are royalty. You are clergy, better than clergy. You are a royal priesthood. Rejoice in that. Numbers chapter 24, verse 1. Since Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel, he did not go to seek omens as on previous occasions, but turned toward the wilderness. When Balaam looked up and saw Israel encamped tribe by tribe, the Spirit of God came on him and he proclaimed his poem. The oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eyes are opened, the oracle of the one who hears the sayings of God, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls into a trance with his eyes uncovered. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob, your dwellings, Israel! They stretch out like river valleys, like gardens beside a stream, like aloes the Lord has planted, like cedars beside the water. Water will flow from his buckets, and his seed will be by abundant water. His king will be greater than Agag, and his kingdom will be exalted. God brought him out of Egypt, and he is like the horns of a wild ox for them. He will feed on enemy nations and gnaw their bones. He will strike them with his arrows. He crouches. He lies down like a lion or a lioness. Who dares to rouse him? Those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be cursed. Then Balak became furious with Balaam, struck his hands together, and said to him, I summoned you to put a curse on my enemies, but instead you've blessed them these three times. Now go to your home. I said I would reward you richly, but look, the Lord has denied you a reward. Balaam answered Balak, Didn't I previously tell the messengers you sent me? 
If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go against the Lord's command to do anything good or bad of my own will. I will do whatever the Lord says. Now I'm going back to my people, but first, let me warn you what these people will do to your people in the future. Then he proclaimed his poem, The Oracle of Balaam, son of Beor, the oracle of the man whose eyes are opened, the oracle of the one who hears the sayings of God and has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls into a trance with his eyes uncovered. I see him, but not now. I perceive him, but not near. A star will come from Jacob, and a scepter will rise from Israel. He will smash the forehead of Moab and strike down all the Shethites. Edom will become a possession. Seir will become a possession of its enemies. But Israel will be triumphant. One who comes from Jacob will rule. He will destroy the city's survivors. Then Balaam saw Amalek and proclaimed his poem. Amalek was first among the nations, but his future is destruction. Next he saw the Kenites and proclaimed his poem. Your dwelling place is enduring. Your nest is set in the cliffs. Cain will be destroyed when Asher takes you captive. Once more he proclaimed his poem. Ah, who can live when God does this? Ships will come from the coast of Kittim. They will carry out raids against Asher and Eber, but they too will come to destruction. Balaam then rose and went back to his homeland, and Balak almost also went his way. Psalm chapter 66 verse 1. Let the whole earth shout joyfully to God. Sing about the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, How awe-inspiring are your works. Your enemies will cringe before you because of your great strength. The whole earth will worship you and sing praise to you. They will sing praise to your name, Selah. Come and see the wonders of God. His acts for humanity are awe-inspiring. He turned the sea into dry land and they crossed the river on foot. There we rejoiced in him. He rules forever by his might. He keeps his eye on the nations. The rebellious should not exalt themselves, Selah. Bless our God, you peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He keeps keeps us alive and does not allow our feet to slip. For you, God, tested us. You refined us as silver is refined. You lured us into a trap. You placed burdens on our backs. You let men ride over our heads. We went through fire and water, but you brought us out to abundance. I will enter your house with burnt offerings. I will pay you my vows that my lips promised and my mouth spoke during my distress. I will offer you fattened sheep as burnt offerings with the fragrant smoke of rams. I will sacrifice bulls with goats. Selah. Come and listen, all who fear God, and I will tell what he has done for me. I cried out to him with my mouth, and praise was on my tongue. If I had been aware of malice in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. However, God has listened. He has paid attention to the sound of my prayer. Blessed be God. He has not turned away my prayer or turned his faithful love from me. Psalm 67. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. Selah. So that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the people praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations rejoice and shout for joy. For you judge the people with fairness and lead the nations on the earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has produced its harvest. God, our God, bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 1. For the Lord will have compassion on Jacob and will choose Israel again. 
He will settle them on their own land. The resident alien will join them and be united with the house of Jacob. The nations will escort Israel and bring it to its homeland. Then the house of Israel will possess them as male and female slaves in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and will rule over their oppressors. When the Lord gives you rest from your pain, torment, and the hard labor you were forced to do, you will sing this song of contempt about the king of Babylon and say, How the oppressor has quieted down and how the raging has become quiet. The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers. It struck the peoples in anger with unceasing blows. It subdued the nations in rage with relentless persecution. The whole earth is calm and at rest. People shout with a ringing cry. Even the cypresses and the cedars of Lebanon rejoice over you. Since you have been laid low, no lumberjack has come against us. Shell Blow is eager to greet your coming, stirring up the spirits of the departed for you. All the rulers of the earth, making all the kings of the nations rise from their thrones. They all respond to you, saying, You too have become as weak as we are. You have become like us. Your spent lender has been brought down to shale, along with the music of your harps. Maggots are spread out under you, and worms cover you. Shining morning star, how you have fallen from the heavens, you destroyer of nations. You have been cut down to the ground. You said to yourself, I will descend to the heavens. I will set up my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the God's assembly in the remotest parts of the north. I will ascend above the highest clouds. I will make myself like the Most High, but you will be brought down to Sheol, into the deepest regions of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you. They will look closely at you. Is this the man who caused the earth to tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who turned the world into a wilderness, who destroyed its cities and would not release the prisoners to return home? All the kings of the nations lie in splendor, each in his own tomb, but you are thrown out without a grave, like a worthless branch covered by those slain with a sword and dumped into a rocky pit like a trampled corpse. You will not join them in burial because you destroyed your land and slaughtered your own people. The offspring of evildoers will never be mentioned again. Prepare a place of slaughter for his sons. Because of the iniquity of their ancestors, they will never rise up to possess a land or fill the surface of the earth with cities. I will rise up against them. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies, and I will cut off from Babylon her reputation, remnant, offspring, and posterity. This is the Lord's declaration. I will make her a swampland and a region for herons, and I will sweep her away with the broom of destruction. This is the declaration of the Lord of Armies. The Lord of Armies has sworn, As I have purposed, so it will be. As I have planned it, so it will happen. I will break Assyria in my land. I will tread him down on my mountain. Then his yoke will be taken from them, and his burden will be removed from their shoulders. This is the plan prepared for the whole earth, and this is the hand stretched out against all the nations. The Lord of Armies himself has planned it. Therefore, who can stand in its way? It is his hand that is outstretched, so who can turn it back? In the year that King Ahaz died, this pronouncement came. Don't rejoice, all of you in Philistia, because the rod of the run who struck you is broken. For a viper will come from the root of a snake, and from its egg comes a flying serpent. Then the firstborn of the poor will be well fed, and the impoverished will lie down in safety. 
but I will kill your root with hunger and your remnant will be slain. Wail, you gates, cry out, city, tremble with fear, all Philistia, for a cloud of dust is coming from the north and there is no one missing from the invaders' ranks. What answer will be given to the messengers from that nation? The Lord has founded Zion and his oppressed people find refuge in her. Amen. May the Lord bless you, dear friends, and keep you. May he give you safety and guide you. May his face shine upon you and do good to you. Amen and Godspeed.